0: Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to Osh's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at Osh.com. Hi there. I'm Randad Vettah from ThruLine. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. This morning, we focus on California's high-speed rail project, which is supposed to one day whisk passengers between Los Angeles and San Francisco at over 200 miles per hour. Now, you've probably heard the project is tens of billions of dollars over budget and years behind schedule, but it's also brought big changes to the Central Valley. That's where construction has been going on for years and where the train is supposed to start off operating first. I wanted to get a status update on high-speed rail and see how it's affecting the people of the valley, so I did. On the edge of South Fresno, next to Highway 99, I'm climbing up 40 feet of scaffolding to get to the top of a high-speed rail construction site. It's a wide concrete bed big enough to fit future train tracks. This is the Cedar Viaduct, and my guide is High-Speed Rail Authority spokesperson Augie Blancas. The Cedar Viaduct is a 3,700-foot-long structure. It will take high-speed trains up and over Cedar and North Avenues and over State Route 99. The Viaduct is just one of more than 30 active high-speed rail construction sites up and down the Central Valley. Tony Tinoco is Deputy Director of the High-Speed Rail Authority in the Valley and talked to me about the scope of the work.
1: On any typical day, on average, we have about 1,100 dispatched workers on various sites. That's everything between uh, Madera County all the way to the city of Moscow. That's 119 miles to cover, and we have a lot of men and women in different trades going to these sites, constructing these structures every day.
0: Many of the components for high-speed rail construction, like enormous precast concrete slabs, are manufactured at an open-air yard surrounded by farm fields outside of the community of Hanford. They're then loaded aboard flatbed trucks and transported to building sites along 65 miles of the Central Valley. I asked Supervisor Craig Watt, why do the work here versus a factory in the Bay Area or Los Angeles? It cuts down on shipping costs, and a lot of the local suppliers for precast components in the state of california don't have the capacity to keep up with our demand it's here that i also meet some of the people building the high-speed rail project like husband and wife iron workers keith viagrana and desiree ruiz desiree says she and her husband feel like they're part of something historic by working on the project
1: i would love to see the finished product of it and being able to say i helped build that train with my husband like that's something that you can hold on to nobody can take it from you so it feels good
0: What's also good, says Desiree's husband Keith, is the years of steady work and generous pay that High Speed Rail creates for the tradespeople working on the project. I've actually made
1: more money than I've ever made in the 10 years I've been in, the, in my trade.
0: So good for family finances. Yes, oh, for sure. For sure. This,
1: working for High Speed Rail Authority has, has made a big difference in our lives, a very big difference.
0: The High-Speed Rail Authority's Tony Tinoco says that since groundbreaking seven years ago, the project has created over 7,000 jobs and helped support nearly 700 small businesses across the state. She says the economic benefits for the Central Valley have been particularly important.
1: Historically, we've had very, very high unemployment rates here. Um, High-Speed Rail has been one of the drivers of getting that number down. Being able to employ people, I mean, our workers and our contractors are here. They're living here. They're investing, they're eating, they're purchasing different uh, products outside of construction, so that's huge.
0: But away from the building sites, it's easy to find people in the Central Valley who say they don't see or feel the benefits of high-speed rail construction. I hear the words high-speed rail, I think just a lot of waste of money. That's Michael Lopez, who owns Green and Clean small construction and landscaping business in the town of selma lopez says he's pretty well connected to other small businesses in his area and no one ever mentions high-speed rail being an economic game changer for the valley i don't know who has these jobs you know what i mean who has these jobs i don't know anybody that works for the high-speed rail personally i don't hear anybody telling me like hey i got this contract for the high-speed rail and and like here in selma where you have your your business you don't feel like money's being pumped into the economy no, who? Where? 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 Where's the high-speed rail coming through here where, Salmo, where Salmo's getting any benefit from it? I don't see it. And like other Californians, Central Valley residents are also worried about high-speed rails escalating costs, long delays, and the plan to initially offer train service only to cities within the valley. At a Panera restaurant in North Fresno, about a dozen regulars gather early in the mornings to talk about the hot-button issues of the day, including the train project. How often does high-speed rail come up as a conversation? Oh, oh every other day. Don't <laughs> <laughs> get started on that. But I do, and Fresno resident Jerry Cartoonian, like others around the table, is ready to talk. What do I think about the high-speed rail? It's a, it's a rail that goes nowhere. It's going from Bakersfield to Merced. Yes, it's supposed to go to L.A. all the way to San Francisco at, what, $300 billion cost? In the next 35 years, we'll all be dead and gone by the time that thing's up and running. But the high-speed rail authority's Tony Tinoco defends the now $100 billion-plus project. She says it still has the support of a majority of Californians, according to recent independent polling. And each day of construction brings the bullet train closer to a reality.
1: You know, the fact of the matter is, is that high-speed rail is getting done. So those who have said, you know, they haven't seen any progress... They're not seeing any, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. The fact of the matter is, is that we're in construction. So it is not an easy project. Uh, You're never going to get all of the support that you hope that you can get. Um, But the fact is, is that California voted on a a bond, voted on high-speed rail to get this started, and we're trying to deliver uh, what Californians voted
0: for. The High-Speed Rail Authority says it hopes to have the first segment of the line between Bakersfield and Merced ready for passenger service by 2030, but it also acknowledges further delays are possible. Until then, the most frequently heard locomotive sights and sounds in this part of California will be from the many slow-moving freight trains traveling through the valley. A federal trial over San Francisco's bid to hold drug manufacturers, suppliers, and pharmacies liable for opioid addiction and overdoses is set to start this morning. KQED's Alex Emsley reports. The trial is one of several around the country to test the public nuisance theory and whether companies in the opioid supply chain are liable for ballooning overdose deaths and other impacts of addiction. San Francisco alleges that Walgreens and several drug companies deceptively marketed opioids and ignored suspicious orders that piped pills into the black market. Chief City Attorney Sarah Eisenberg.
1: This case is both a national case and also a San Francisco case, and so there will be evidence that ties the defendant's conduct to specifically the situation that we find ourselves in San Francisco.
0: The companies argue they didn't create the opioid epidemic and shouldn't be held responsible for it. For the California Report, I'm Alex Emsley. The California Republican Party has wrapped up its annual state convention, which was held over the weekend in Anaheim. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy at Bakersfield was the featured speaker. He used the opportunity to repeatedly praise former President Donald Trump and to criticize Democrats and the media. McCarthy's appearance at the convention came after the release of audio confirming that he had told congressional colleagues in early 2021 that he would urge Trump to resign in the wake of the Capitol. Hill insurrection. Previously, McCarthy had maintained he did no such thing. Also at the convention, State Senator Brian Daly, who represents 11 counties in the northeast corner of the state, got the Republican Party's endorsement for governor. Let's turn to COVID. During the first year of the pandemic, deaths of homeless people in Los Angeles County rose more than 50% from the previous year. According to a report from the County Department of Public Health, nearly 2000 deaths were reported from April 1, 2020 to March 31, 2021. The report found that drug overdoses remained the leading cause of death among the homeless. In the pre-pandemic year, the Department of Public Health reported just over 400 overdose deaths among the homeless. And the year after the outbreak, that figure nearly doubled to 715 In a related issue, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti's proposed budget for the upcoming fiscal year calls for almost $1.2 billion in spending on fighting homelessness. But is there enough transparency in how that money is spent? From Los Angeles, KPCC's Unhoused Communities reporter Ethan Ward has more. L.A. City Controller Ron Galperin says there needs to be more transparency on tracking the money spent on homelessness to avoid waste or misuse. We have uh,
2: been encouraging the departments and the city as a whole to do a much better job of tracking what
0: spending is actually related to homelessness so that we can uh, create a dashboard that actually shows it. Galperin says centralized dashboards would allow Angelenos to monitor how their tax dollars are used by nonprofits or spent on affordable housing. The reality is is that we have to recognize the fact that the way that the money is being spent is not always working. There are some dashboards available, but they're scattered, making it harder to track the money. For The California Report, I'm Ethan Ward in Los Angeles. The state's Employment Development Department, or EDD, has started rolling out a promised expansion of language resources. That's to better serve the at least 7 million Californians who use a first language other than English. KQED's Mary Franklin Harvin has the details.
2: Late last week, EDD announced the release of additional language resources. You can find them through a globe icon, pictured on the blue banner at the top of EDD's homepage. From there, you can access forms translated in Armenian, Korean, Punjab, Russian, traditional and simplified Chinese, Spanish, Tagalog, and Vietnamese. Joanne Lee is special counsel with the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles. She says this is a vast improvement from before.
1: And a step in the right direction, and it seems like this is... The first part of their release, so they will have subsequent content and languages added, which I think is great and part of the plan um, that stems from the legislation and also our settlement
2: agreement. The settlement she's talking about came out of nearly two years of legal mediation by her group and other advocates who demanded better language access from EDD. Another big area of focus in these efforts is beefing up translation support on EDD phone lines. Currently, the agency has dedicated phone lines for English, Spanish, Cantonese, Mandarin, and Vietnamese speakers. But to access translation support in languages besides these, EDD directs callers to the same line used for English and Spanish speakers. Daniela Urban is Executive Director of the Center for Workers' Rights in Sacramento. Except for Spanish, you have to... Get through several prompts in English before you're able to ask for an interpreter, which makes it difficult for those who don't speak English to even get to the point of, of the phone process where they can ask for interpretation. I called this number for calling the Employment Development Department. There's about three minutes worth to of to prompts in English, standard. besides that's one brief that's Spanish that's prompt, and even you know, if the person calling could make out a little bit of English or Spanish, none of the prompts actually mention the additional language support. Around three and a half minutes in, there's an option to press zero for a representative. I tried going into a few different menus, and as a user, I couldn't figure out how to access the translation support even without a language barrier, outside of working my way back to the operator. An EDD spokesperson told me that the agency is continuing to work to make this process more seamless for non-English or Spanish speakers. And per the Settlement with Advocate groups, EDD is committed to adding dedicated phone lines for unemployment claims in Armenian, Korean, and Tagalog. Joanne Lee and Daniela Urban are grateful for the initial improvements EDD is implementing, but say it's important to continue to monitor how the communities who need these services respond to the changes. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin.
0: And that's this edition of The California Report for Monday, April 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez, and wherever you are in California, thanks so much for listening, and have a good day
2: support for the California report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org/health-equity. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment.